Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. My name is Trey Kaufman, and my goal in life is to live it in a way that I look forward to waking up every single morning. It's through these conversations that I get to make incremental improvements by speaking with leaders from around the world who have mastered their craft and are living a lifestyle they've meticulously designed for themselves. If you can find it in your heart, you can help me and the podcast tremendously by leaving a five-star review. Also, I'm so excited that the first episode of Bits of Happiness, my brand new podcast, is being released this Friday, March 4th. Stick around until the end of this episode for a short preview of episode one. A month or so ago, I reached out to all of the guests I've spoken with since 2019, asking for the opportunity to catch up and create another conversation together, which is why you might have recognized some of the guests from the past month or so. I'm always fascinated to learn how leaders in my sphere of influence are responding to the ever-changing world. From winter to spring, from pandemic to a little less pandemic, there's one common thing I notice about the most inspirational people I know. They take ownership of their lives and respond to outside influences with indifference, not judging it good or bad, but mindfully observing and correcting course. Brie, or Brianne, is an old friend from long before the existence of the Mosaic Life podcast, and it's always great catching up with her. She's been an inspiration to me in the world of running and fitness for a long time, and even though our businesses are in completely different spaces, each time we connect, there are lessons and growth we both come away with. Brianne Showman is a physical therapist and running and obstacle course racing coach whose focus is to create highly functional and resilient humans. She helps athletes resolve injuries in less time by getting to the root of the problem, improving movement patterns and incorporating proper training to help the body move more efficiently, more powerfully, and in less injury-prone ways. Please welcome back to the podcast, my good friend, Brianne Showman. Bree, how's it going? Doing awesome. I'm excited to talk to you again. It's been a while. I know it has been a while. It's been a, it's been a while both in uh, the context of podcasting as well as in the context of friendship because I we used to have a weekly call but I know things changed on actually both of our ends so it's uh, it's good to catch up. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited and we should like try to figure out how to talk again more frequently. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um how how's everything going? I you know I I do, I, I think it's so tacky and lame to talk about weather, but I always end up doing so. And usually because it's I'm always looking out the window and it's like a dirty snow. So I I like to live vicariously through people who are living uh, out west, and so that's why I ask. Well, I'm pretty sure you don't want to know. It's currently like 74 degrees here, and I think it's supposed to be a high of around 81. So yeah. uh, that's our weather today. <laughs> I, yeah, I get it. Um, and it is, it, it is actually 50 today. So the snow starting to melt and I'm starting to get that itch for spring. Now I'm sure actually this is a perfect plan segue. I'm sure a lot of your clients are starting, at least people who, you know, have to experience four seasons are getting, starting to get the itch to get out and run again. Are you, are you seeing a lot of that? Oh, absolutely. Like race season here where I'm at is pretty much in the spring. We have a marathon here tomorrow, actually this weekend. Um, we had one a couple weekends ago. So where I'm at, we're, we're kind of in peak season right now. We're starting there. Um, 
But yeah, for the majority of people, it's like races are mid-summer time frame, June, yeah, July, yeah. August. And so, yeah, it's kind of starting to that, like, time to start training for those races. Yeah, absolutely. Do you... <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to ask this question because obviously you don't have snow generally where you are. I mean, do you help people train throughout the winter? I mean, per, obviously indoors, staying on a treadmill, but if for people who want to run when it's perhaps slick or icy, I mean, do you generally, uh, you know, recommend whatever those crampon type things are? Do you help people try to stay safe in that environment? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Nebraska, lived in Minnesota for four years in college. So, I've definitely ran in ice. I've ran in the cold weather. I know how to be safe there. So, um, yeah, if, if, um, as long as the temperatures are safe for people to be outside in, um, I'm more than happy to kind of make, help them make sure they're safe out there. Yeah. And I I like that point because minus this past winter, um, I, I generally like running when it's colder rather than warmer. It just, it's, it seems easier for me to, to tolerate. And I don't mind going down to, you know, anywhere from 20 to 25 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, but I understand how it can, you know, eventually be too cold to get out there and run. I mean, is there a a general point at which you say that, or is it kind of all up to the person's endurance? You know, I think it's, it's really independent of the person. Like for me, when I lived in Minnesota, it was pretty much like, as long as it wasn't too icy, that it was like really unsafe to run, I would go outside. Um, I have a former client of mine. I still follow her on social media. We still touch base every once in a while. She's in Northern Wisconsin. She runs in negative who knows what temperatures all the time without any issues. So it's really dependent on the person and what they're willing to tolerate it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I mean, to the opposite extreme, I mean, you deal with high degrees of, you know, heat every year, even though it's, you know, quote unquote, a dry heat in, um, in the summer, or you know, while in, out in the desert, um, I mean, staying hydrated, hydrated and staying, you know, in a proper condition to run safely in the heat, it's a whole different ball game. Oh, absolutely. Like there's routes I'll go run in like this time of year and not take anything with me. But if I run them in the summer, it's like, I know I'm taking water with me just because it's like, I know how hot it is and I know how dangerous it is to be in those temperatures without being hydrated. So yeah, living here long enough, you learn what to do in the heat, but you got to be smart. Yeah, for sure. So what are you working on right now in regard to training? Because I know you're not just a runner, but you're, you know, you're also involved in CrossFit and you do a lot of weight training too. So, I mean, do you have a focus currently or do you, do you always stay try to stay as well-rounded as possible? Kind of both. Um, I like to, I don't train my running a ton. Um, with that said, I'm, I am focusing a little bit more on my climbing lately as far as like being nice. able to run elevations on the trails. Um, so that's one thing I am attacking a little bit when it comes to running, but for the most part, I train CrossFit. Um, and I found that as long as I keep consistent with that and train hard with that, I can actually maintain a, a good pace for longer distances. Um, when I was out in Columbus, what was it, three years ago now, I think, running the half marathon. I didn't train at all for that, and I ran it nonstop, like, sub two. So I'm like – Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. They, I mean, it was it was pre-pandemic, so that, that was three years ago. It's hard to believe it's been that long. Um, but you bring up a great point, and I, I, I totally relate. If, if you – even if – 
I, I, I have not run in two or three months and that, that pains me to say that, but I, I have been focusing more on strength training and staying fit and moving. And it's not like my diet has changed either. And I, I will say if I maintain some semblance of being in shape, I can, if I wanted to, I could go out and run four or five miles and, and do okay. Within the week, I could get my mile average down to probably 730 or 745. It's it, it's so much of me staying in and good shape is just that movement. And so much of it also is the way I eat and, you know, what I decide to put in or not put into my body. I mean, does that seem pretty consistent with your experience in that? Absolutely. And to, to kind of go back a little bit with that, as far as you adding strength training in for your run or, and like, honestly, I, there's a lot of carryover to running. All runners should be doing strength training, whether they think that or not. Um, but like I changed up what I was, how my programming was last year. And in November I ran the best Ragnar, um, here locally than I had run. And that's the fourth time I think doing it. So, um, and that's just because my climbing was better because my legs yeah. had more power in them. So there has a lot to say as far as with strength training, um, for runners, but yeah, I mean, so much comes down to nutrition as well. We can, we can never out train a bad diet essentially. And so it's like, if that's not, it doesn't have to be dialed in, but it has to be like, you can't be eating crap all the time and expect to perform well. I, yes, I absolutely agree with you. And actually I had the, the, I was fortunate enough this morning to talk with uh, Nika Laurie on her podcast. She was a previous guest on the Mosaic Life podcast. She is a health and wellness coach, um, nutrition um, coach as well. And so we, we talked a lot about mindset and, you know, eating whole foods and a, and a great diet. And I, I, I love having that conversation because it makes all the difference in the world based or in regard to how we feel day in and day out. And I, it's, it's something that I'm so passionate about. And if I can feel good because simply because of what I'm eating, then that just makes me want to go out and do more, especially in regard to strength training or, or running. Yeah. You know, I, I've had conversations a number of times with people and they're just like, don't you ever eat crap? Like, don't you ever just kind of go off? And I'm like, well, I, at times, not often. And I'm like, I don't like to feel like crap. So yeah. I don't eat crap. Like, that's just kind of how it is. Absolutely. And I've, I've been asked the question, well, how do you treat yourself? Well, I, I treat myself by feeling good all of the time. It's, I, I don't need to eat uh, sweets or ice cream or, you know, drink alcohol for that matter to, to treat myself. It's knowing that I am fit enough to go out and do something that I enjoy, like mountain biking or rock climbing, because I, I maintain some sense of... Equanimity or equilibrium with my body, and I just I, I know my body well enough now that I know how it can generally perform. Yeah, definitely, and and I think people, I think it's all in perspective of like how what you consider like treating yourself. For me, like I don't, I love going and getting green juices. I don't like spending the money on it all the time right. because they aren't the cheapest thing. So I'm like, for me, that's treating myself because yes. I'm going and getting something that. I enjoy that's a little out of like what I would normally spend money on. Um, but it's also serving my body. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. For, for me, it's uh, kombucha, which isn't that mm -hmm. expensive, but it's, it's, I still enjoy it cause it has a little bit of a kick to it. And that's, it's, I don't know it, that, I guess that, that is my, my sort of treat. Um, you know, I, I did want to bring this up and I, 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 I couldn't remember a name if I even wanted to name one, but I, I had listened to, it was probably a Joe Rogan episode with an elite runner. And I remember her talking about 
you know, her breakfast being pop tarts, which made me laugh. I mean, I, I guess somebody who burns that many calories all the time that, you know, it's not going to necessarily have an effect on your body or negative effect uh, or, you know, create inflammation. But at the same time, that's not providing the nutrients that you need to have a well balanced diet. I mean, am I correct in that? You are, um, you know, and, and I'd be curious to know if it was like an everyday thing or an occasional thing. Um, the only reason, like kind of where my mind goes on that is thinking about ultra runners and like when my brother's doing his hundred miler mile races at that point, it's like, you're just getting nutrition in. So they'll have flat Coke, they'll have potato chips, they'll have like whatever they can at their, um, at their little tent area to, to refuel, um, just because they're just trying to get calories. And at that point and they and eat something that they know settles well with them. Yeah, um, yeah. so I won't necessarily rec- like suggest it on a regular basis, just because there's no nutrients in it as far as that type of breakfast. But if it's more of just like went for a long run, need calories, like then it, I can view it a little differently. Yeah, that's okay. That's a good point. When it comes to, not somebody who's an ultra runner, not somebody who's going out and running hundred miles, but maybe 13 or 26. What, where do you start with people in regard to nutrition? I, I 13 is maybe a stretch, at least for me. I, I don't necessarily need to, I'll take some gels with me on a, on a half marathon run. But if I were to get to the 20, 26 mile range, which I've gotten up to 20 before and nutrition was definitely an issue for me. Where do you start to work with people on that? Yeah. You know, it's so hard. Cause I, I'm not of the mindset that like everyone needs to be keto or everyone needs to be fat adapted or everyone needs a lot of carbs. Like, because every I've learned from talking with people in my own body as well, that everyone performs a little bit differently. Um, so like for me, I know I burn more fat so I can do a half marathon without anything other than just make sure I'm getting water and electrolytes in me. Yeah. Um, but I know someone who needs more carbs for fuel does need something with them. Um, typically we say getting calories in, um, every hour just to make sure you're not going to bonk. You're not going to, um, you know, crash at any point during your race or during your training run. Um, so I, for someone who's like burns a little bit more fat versus carb for fuels, I'd say you can probably get away with going like that two, two and a half hour point prior to needing fuel. But for the majority of people who, um, they're tend to eat higher carb or more carbs on a regular basis. Probably every hour is usually where we need to start making sure we're getting some fuel in us. I mean, is that as simple as, you know, carrying gels with you? I, when you're running a marathon, it's not like you can stop, you know, to eat a banana or, you know, shove it in uh, your pack. So is, I mean, is that where you start with people or do you actually recommend real whole foods? Yeah, it really depends on the distance. Typically up to a marathon distance, um, we're fine just doing more of the gels and that sort of thing. Yeah. Much over that, like we really want to start thinking about solid foods just because we're trying like going over five hours without getting some, um, more of just like solid foods. One, you might like by just putting liquids in your body, start getting feeling like bloated and that sort of thing. But right. two, just having those like our body are our mind likes to chew. That's how it also helps us feel that we're full. So um, getting some more solid foods, things that settle well with you can be helpful or is helpful over that like five hour mark. That's good to know. Um, so what do you, uh, are you training for anything right now? Uh, any any big races now that things are starting to come back uh, into, into play uh, as the world settles down? 
Yeah, race is not, well, yes and no-ish. Um, I have a Spartan here in two weeks. Nice. Two weeks. Which one? Um, it's Arizona's. They moved the venue, though, so it's going to be super flat, which I'm not thrilled about, um, which is also why you really don't have to train because yeah. <laughs> there's really no hills. Um, other than that, we were going to do Zion Ragnar, but we had enough people back out because of other scheduling conflicts that we that we nixed that. So no races on the schedule right now, um, but I have for CrossFit World, I have the CrossFit Open coming up here soon, and then I have another qualifier in June that I'm training for. Nice. What uh, which distance Spartan are you doing? I'm doing the Super. And that how how far is that one? I don't remember. It's 10k. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, I um I've done the Spartan once, not in the competitive heat by any means, but it was it was a ton of fun. I don't. It was just more. It was more. I guess, engaging <laughs> in regard to muscle movement. I, that's not the right way of saying it, but I, I loved, you know, the carrying the rocks in the bucket, actually climbing ropes, that sort of thing. It's just, it, I, it's so much better than any of the other somewhat generic obstacle races, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, I haven't done, I avoided obstacle races for a long time because for a long time, all I was familiar with was Tough Mudder and I refused to be electrocuted. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I, that's why I have not done it. Um, and then I saw, I got turned on to Spartan and I was like, all right, these are like legit obstacles. They're not trying to necessarily kill you. So <laughs> I started doing that one. And then there just aren't a whole lot of race companies out here in Arizona. And I just, traveling gets expensive. So I don't travel a ton for races. So really Spartan is the only thing I've done. Yeah. Talk, talk about Ragnar. Cause I, I've always been fascinated by the idea of Ragnar and at some point in my life, I would like to do one. It's just, it's a cool concept. And I mean, what have your experiences been with it? I love the trail. I hate the road. Okay. <laughs> I did the road one probably like 2014. And for so context, you- uh, give a brief overview of what Ragnar is. Okay. Yeah. So Ragnar is a team relay. Um, for the road, you have 12 people for the trail. You have eight, um, or you can have an ultra team where basically you'll have half the people running the full distance. Um, but basically you have to cover a certain amount of distance with like set inner or set distance intervals over the full time. Um, amongst all your teammates in a set given, given time. So, um, it's kind of just like a big relay basically. Um, I did the road in 2014 and found out I hated it because you have to sit in the van in between transition stops and yeah. it's just really confining. Um, the trail is basically running and camping combined in one big weekend. So it's a lot of fun actually. That's cool. <laughs> That's awesome. What if, um, you know, being out in Arizona and being on the trail, I'm, have you seen, what's it like? I mean, have you seen wildlife snakes, that sort of thing? I mean, I love the concept of camping and, uh, running a relay. I think that's a really cool idea. Yeah. Um, I've definitely seen stuff out here. It kind of depends with Ragnar. So there's so many people moving constantly that you really don't, but, um, yeah, out on the trails by myself, um, rattlesnakes, coyotes. I've actually seen elk before. Um, like you see javelina, like you just see it. And I mean, most stuff's not going to hurt you or kill you. Rattlesnakes, you respect them and let them do their thing. Right. <laughs> and- okay. That's good to know. Um, 
I, yeah, I always feel like I would be slightly terrified running through the desert in the middle of the night by myself. But um, I mean, it's a good point to know that other people are running around you and animals generally are more scared of you than you are of them, I think, right? Yeah, for the most part. Um, yeah, and as long as you respect them, you're usually good. I don't run, like I'll do some night runs on the trails or evening, I should say, like after dinner time yeah. runs in the dark here, but I'm always with someone. I don't do them by them myself. So Ragnar, because there's so many people around constantly, um, doesn't concern me. Yeah. So what are your goals long-term? How long are you going to compete versus how long are you going to coach? What uh, What is your... I don't know how 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 long do you have in you that you're going to continue competing and uh, as you continue podi- uh, landing up on the podium or is it just kind of do you have a set time limit limit for yourself? You know, I really don't. I my friend last year, a girl I train with, um, she sent me a text. It's really funny. I literally got home from Zion after Ragnar and I get a text from her saying, "Hey, you should do these two qualifiers with me." <laughs> And it was for two um, big CrossFit competitions. So I was like, I'll do them with her at that point, thinking yeah. like, I'm not that good, but I'm like, I'll help support her, give her someone to push with and qualified for both of them, went to both nice. of them and performed fairly well. So I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm in this point now that I'm just like, I'm actually in the CrossFit world. I'm a better athlete than I kind of thought I was a year ago. And yeah. there's no reason to not continue competing as long as I'm still feeling healthy and strong. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, there doesn't really need to be an age limit. We set on ourselves as long as we continue to take care of our bodies, we we should continue to feel as good as we can for at least the, the short term. So I'm glad to hear that. Um, who do you look up to in your space and both in regard to coaching, but also in regard to competition, whether it's CrossFit or running? Oh, that's a great question. You know, it's really funny. I think, you know, as we grow as, uh, sort of the coaches side first, as we grow as coaches or clinicians, um, you know, I think you change who you look up to and for what reasons. And so the people I I kind of have created who I am after, like, it's really weird. And it's not that people are in different pedestals, different levels. I'm like, okay, like I'm at the level that they are now, like now who's above me and who can I, can I look to achieve to be, um, and I don't know. It's really interesting. Like, and I don't know if it's just because I've gained confidence as a coach and not, and I'm not saying I'm the best of the best by any means, but I'm like, for the people who I kind of see at the like top of the game, OCR and running world, like, I'm kind of like, you know what? Like I'm doing what they're doing. I'm kind of there. And so yeah. I kind of look to them and listen to their podcast just for more of a, let's learn more. Let's gain more information. Just like I would, if I was talking to anyone. Absolutely. Um, but it, it's kind of, it's, it's an interesting change that's happened with me as a clinician and a coach to really kind of see them as my equals rather than like looking up to them as being someone better than me. Oh man, that's an incredible mindset. That's, and a breakthrough rather that's, uh, that's a huge accomplishment. I, I think it's something that not very many people reach in either their careers or their pursuits. So congratulations to you because that, that allows you to unlock the next level of, of where you're headed. And I, I love hearing that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, 
I know I asked this question in my intake form, and I don't generally bring it up unless it comes up naturally. But because we know each other, because we're friends, I want to to ask. I, I ask the I ask what people's biggest hurdles have been in their life because it's I think it's important to highlight the all of the hardships somebody's had to go through to get to what they've accomplished. And I like your answer that you say life question mark. Some days are awesome, other days suck, and I think that's a very <laughs> important thing to say because even the highest performers, the, the peak performers, people who are living their absolute best lives, we all fall, find ourselves in peaks and valleys, you know, going through both. And it's the training that we do both physically and mentally that allows us to maintain some semblance of, you know, maintaining a straight course. What have been your practices? I know we've talked about meditation at length in the past. I mean, is that still something you do? What are some of the personal mindset habits that you have to make sure that you maintain a level head throughout each and every day? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely, I still meditate occasionally, not as often, or not like I used to, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, I kind of switched up more recently of not necessarily just doing kind of a breathing meditation like I used to do, but um, listening to more, I mean, I actually got this idea from um, one of my business coaches, but recording my own affirmations, putting it with some binaural beats. And so I've been listening to that in the morning um, when I'm just kind of like laying still to um, kind of switching up what I'm doing. Um, and also just to kind of help, you know, those positive affirmations, helping it set in the brain um, just to, to be able to achieve more. Um, when it comes to struggles though, and just trying to like reset my mind and just dealing with things, I don't do a ton of journaling anymore just because I, I kind of switched up what type of journaling I do. But um, a lot of times it's just writing things out to clear my head, to help process thoughts, um, to get the thoughts out in general. Um, so I do still spend time with my with a journal as needed to to deal with things and process things. That's great. It's I think it's so important to hear everybody's or other people's perspectives and practices when it comes to how they deal with self-doubt and how they practice maintaining level-headedness. I um I I, sh- I shouldn't say I'm proud to say this but I'm I'm happy to say that I I've meditated almost every day this week and I've got I'd gotten out of the habit and recently within the last you know month or so I've found my my trigger my fuse to be much shorter lately and it's it was it was a self-perpetuating cycle that I I would get mad at something stupid and then I would get mad that I got mad and I I had not been meditating for months and I know it's not a magic fix and it really shouldn't be but as I've sat with myself for 20 minutes each morning this week, I've felt myself be much calmer throughout the day and, you know, not getting triggered by somebody cutting me off on the road or uh, somebody saying something that I don't necessarily agree with online, which is, you know, not a problem within itself, but I just, I feel better through it. So having or maintaining some sort of practice like that is, is so monumental to your own mental health. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, and just knowing you and how you've gone back and forth with meditation, that makes me really happy to know that you've kind of not only found it again, but have been a little bit more consistent and that you notice the differences yes. um, when you don't do it. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
you know, in relation to mental health, when we spoke previously, you had mentioned reading the book Irresistible. And um, I, I read that book a while back and I really, really liked it. And it's by Adam something. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, but you also mentioned that you'd stopped wearing wearables. What's that been like? I mean, was that a big change for you? Yeah, you know, it's really funny, as you say, because I'm like, I literally just got a Fitbit recently again. But I have a different mindset around it. Um, yeah, so I... I realized, so this was years ago when the like Samsung watch came out. Yeah. Um, it was connected to my phone. It like tracked everything. And I found myself getting really, um, not distracted, but almost obsessed with like, all right, am I getting enough water? And are we getting my steps in? Like, am I getting X, Y, and Z? And I was very connected to my phone and I knew when like notifications would come in. And I got to the point, I was just like, you know what? Like, not that it's running my life, but I feel like just in a bad place mentally with it. So, um, I initially I'd gotten to the point of just like making sure like no notifications were going on, just using it more for like trapping sleep and workouts and that sort of thing. Um, and as I was about ready to just be like, you know what, I'm done with this. The battery died. So it was awesome. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, and then I didn't have anything for a while. Then I got the whoop, um, which I got more as, to as like research for myself to see if I could really, if I was really reading my body as well as I thought I was. Um, and then I use it for six months. That literally was my, my plan. And then I got rid of it and I recently got a Fitbit again. Um, more, (laughs) more, the main reason though, is because I realized I would always like look at my phone because I wanted to look at the time. Yeah. I was like, okay, I need something for a watch. And, I did want to get something again to at least track my mileage when I'm running just out of curiosity reason more than anything else. Um, and also to track my sleep. So I did just get a Fitbit again recently, but I I'm doing it with a different mindset of it's just like, it's for a watch. It's for me to track my miles when I'm running, who cares about the time and like the end. So um, yeah, it's just, it's tough because so many people with wearables and I found myself not in the downward spiral, like a lot of, I've seen a lot of people get, but it's just like, we get so obsessed with our numbers and trying to beat numbers and it can keep us from sleeping and it can yes. keep us from going to bed on time. And it can just cause a lot of like unhealthy habits, I think. Absolutely. It's that gamification. It's trying to beat your own record for steps or how well you sleep or all of that. I, you probably remember a few years ago, I created a spreadsheet called my life tracker and I was tracking everything, every single thing from sleep to everything that I was eating to my happiness score, which is extremely subjective. And it allowed me to I don't know. It opened my eyes to what was really important to me and that, you know, I, I've since retired it. And, and then I ab- adopted a journal where I was tracking other key metrics to make sure I was doing things that I enjoy every day. And then I retired that because it was no longer serving the, its original need. So I don't know. I think it's important to realize that things can come and go from your life, as you mentioned, and it's okay to let them go when they no longer serve need. We don't need to, we don't need to continue doing something just because we have this feeling of a sunk cost, which is incorrect within itself. So I, I don't know. I, I applaud you for 
shifting your mindset uh, in relation to your wearables and using it for what actually serves you. I have a, I have a Garmin watch and when I first got it, it, it does allow me to check my text messages and emails and all that. And I was trying to sleep one night and I was part of this group text and it just kept going off and off and off. And like, this is so stupid. Why am I, why am I doing this to myself? So I turned off all notifications. Now, like you, I just use it for tracking my running and I, you know, I'll check my watch as opposed to my phone when I want to know what the time is. Yeah. And, you know, it's so, I like that you kind of brought up that point of like getting rid of those things that don't serve you. Cause I mean, I've changed my morning routine several times over the past several years just because you do find those things and like, you know what, I don't need to be doing this anymore, or this isn't really serving me like it was before. And, um, you know, even thinking business wise and, you know, training wise and different things, it's, we really have to, you know, it's so easy to get stuck in like, and you know, me, I'm, all about consistency and discipline, but we also have to be willing to look at things and really analyze, is this serving me? Is it still beneficial or does something need to change? Yes, absolutely. And to take that point a little bit further, we need to do what's best for us. I mean, I respect the crap out of you that you wake up at what, four o'clock every morning? I actually switched it to five as okay. part of the switch in my running routine, but I switched it to five, which has been a lot better. That's well, that's, I, I still respect you because you're waking up two hours. Well, you're actually waking up at the same time I do, but we're two hours split. <laughs> I, I pretty much live on, live on Eastern time. So. Yeah, you do. But you know, I, I've tried that before and it just, it, it didn't serve me, but I, I still have managed to make the, I've carved out the time that works for me to get my runs in, workouts, to get my reading in. And so you're allowed to, you need to do things in a way that, that work best for you. And you, you can try to emulate somebody, but if it doesn't feel right, then there's no point in doing it that way. Oh, absolutely. You know, I hear, you know, you hear high performers and all these people. It's like, I get before I get, but you know, whatever time. And it's like, it doesn't matter what time you go up or get up or what time you go to bed, as long as you're getting enough sleep and you get everything accomplished in your day that you need or want to get accomplished. Um, you know, and the part of the reason I switched what time I wake up is I also switched my training time to train more later in the morning with, um, with some more competitive people. Um, but now I just start working at 6am. So I work from like six to nine 30 and then I go to the gym for a few hours and then I work like pick up work again around like one 30. Um, so it's just really finding those things that, you know, make it a, Whatever the habits are, whatever the schedule is that works for you, it's finding what works for you, not what works for someone else. Yes, absolutely. Um, So in relation to your business, we've had a lot of conversations around how to continue growing each other's business as well. What is serving you now? What that has not served you in the past? I know, you know, we've had conversations in in relation to growth strategies, coaches. I mean, I know you've worked with our mutual friend Tiago for for a while. What has been working for you over the last year? You know, what I'm really focused on now um, is I spent probably the past like three years really in the essentially what I like to call the Facebook grind, the on Facebook, in my groups, on messenger, like doing all the things, finding the people. And I'm just not, okay. I'm sick of Facebook. (laughs) I'm sick of Facebook to the point. Like I just don't, I don't like spending a ton of time on there. So I'm really working now to create systems and partnerships where 
not that I don't have to work anymore. I, I don't mind like doing the marketing side of things and the sales side of things, but where I don't have to be putting in all the work to go find people. Um, yeah. I want to be able to go on vacation and know when I get home, I'm going to have calls on my schedule because they were able to schedule while I was gone and that sort of thing. So that's what I'm really working on now is really creating this system. So I don't have to work as hard to get those people into my world. Oh, I love that. I love that. I, uh, I recently said this out loud for the first time to our good friend, our dear friend, Ernie. Um, we had coffee earlier in the week and just caught up. I, I told him that this year, my goal is to, I don't know how I worded it, but I want to live a semi-retired life this year. I, I'm still going to you know, hustle and grind in relation to my business. I'm actually hoping to open a second business. I'm not, I'm not going to talk too much about that on here, but I have structured my calendar in a way that it's, I, I very much utilize time blocking. And so Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, my calendar is blocked off until noon. And that allows me to have time for myself. Again, that could be working out or it could be catching up on work and it's distraction free time. And when I was finally able to take control of my calendar and my schedule, my life like that, it just, it felt so freeing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something I'm, I've learned fairly recent, uh, maybe the past year or so, like I do somewhat the same thing. Like my Monday mornings are like no calls, no, or as far as no client calls, that sort of thing. I'll still see, I'll still see clients occasionally, but no like prospect calls. And then Thursdays is 100% like no clients, no prospects. It's just business or it's me getting to my own appointments or things like that. So I think it's important to really, and then the other thing with me too, is I've been really good um, setting boundaries for myself on the weekends as far as unless like I'm doing absolutely nothing else and I'm just sitting at home staring at the wall. Yeah. Um, I may do some work, but otherwise it's like Saturdays, like off Facebook, no work, like nothing involving yes. the like work aspect Sundays. I may do a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot better as far as like setting those boundaries to really make sure I take care of myself. Yeah. I've always respected the, the fact that, I mean, you'll, you'll go off on hikes and I, I think you generally don't take your phone when you, when you go out hiking, right? I mean, you, you go out and spend time in nature by yourself. I take my phone, if I'm by myself, especially, I'll take my phone just in case, but it's usually, I usually always have it on airplane mode. Nice. That's, that's cool. Um, you know, we, we share a a mutual disdain for Facebook and Instagram to a certain extent. I'm, I'm curious, and I don't know if I've told you this because I used to have the, the, the most hatred in the world for this program, but have you tried TikTok? Because I freaking love TikTok now. And I, there's a, I'm seeing a lot of business opportunity there that I don't think a lot of people are tapping into yet. I have not. Um, I've heard of a lot of people with getting stuck in the rabbit hole of TikTok. Um, The other thing too, is I've talked to a, a Spartan coach that I know here from locally and um, cause he was talking with Spartan and they decided to kind of test out TikTok a little bit from a coaching sales standpoint. And from what he was telling me, he's like, you really have to have a certain personality, that very outgoing, I don't care type of attitude and just like, do, like be okay being an idiot type thing. And I was like, you know, that's not me. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I that is the opinion I held of TikTok for a long time. That's why I didn't get on. I used to think it was, and I'm sorry to those that I'm addressing here. I used to think it was stupid kids making stupid jokes. 
that when you allow the algorithm to actually get to know you and what you enjoy, you get to see a different side of it that is not broadcast because it's not profitable. I, you know, a lot of philosophy, a lot of people talking about philosophy and happiness pop up in my feed. I see a lot of people building, uh, uh, woodworking, um, using epoxy, all sorts of different things that you wouldn't necessarily expect on there. And so, as I try to experiment with it, I, you know, I'm not that person. I'm not the person who is going to act silly on camera. If I don't get, if I don't say something correctly the first time, I'm going to try 10 more takes before I say it right there. I think it would be really cool to, well, in your space to, you know, see what it takes to be an elite athlete, to take what it takes to be a part of a, CrossFit uh, competition to see what it takes to podium on certain races. I don't know. I I, I I love that stuff that's out in nature, seeing people run. It may seem boring to some people, but I, I think it's really cool to see what others see in relation to what I'm interested in. That's super interesting. It's a perspective I hadn't, I guess, seen from TikTok. Cause like you said, it's not what gets viral and gets really shown. So yeah. Maybe I'll have to do some research on that. I mean, yeah, for example, if you see uh, a rattlesnake and you want to make the rattlesnake uh, TikTok famous, I'm sure it would really appreciate that, and <laughs> as would your followers. <laughs> Noted. Yeah, yeah. So what else do you have uh, going on? I, I know we've uh, run the gamut in relation to health and wellness. I um, I don't. I personally don't have any big races coming up either. I've, I have been trying my best to, to get more into strength training. I, I've got the, the Banff Hammer, which I always happily talk about with Sean Richardson. He's the CEO of that company. Um, I recently bought, um, I don't want to, it's not a rucksack. I, it's it's a, basically a, a duffel that you put sandbags in. And I, I want to do some rucking. I want to do, you know, some long hikes with, you know, 40 or 50 pounds on my back. I'm just trying to do things a little bit differently. I, I don't know. I, I don't personally like being stuck in a gym. I like to be outside. I like to try new ways to stay fit and active. I don't know. So I guess the question is, what are you working on? And, you know, do you have any recommendations for people who don't like being in a gym? Uh, as far as what I'm working on, always just working to get better, stronger, better at skills. Um, there are certain skills like both in the OCR obstacle course world and CrossFit that I'm just not the greatest at, um, primarily anything gymnastics related. So muscle ups, my chest to bar pull-ups, um, like even the rings and the, in Spartan races get me sometimes. So for me, it's just continuing to really work on, all of that stuff, learning my body positions and body control um, and timing for, for a lot of those gymnastic skills. Um, and then actually getting stronger too, because obviously the stronger I am, the better I can perform. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as far as people who don't like gyms, like the biggest thing that I tell everybody is like, you don't have to do, go to the gym. You don't have to do what everyone else is doing. Like you just have to do something that you enjoy, whether yeah. that's yeah. tennis or racquetball or going for a hike or riding your bike with your kids, you know, it, the possibilities are endless. The biggest thing is just moving your body on a consistent basis, doing something that you enjoy. Yeah. I, I love that. And I don't know, I think it can be intimidating for somebody to start or try something new. And one of the best pieces of advice that I've read is you have to be willing to look stupid to 
get good at something. And if you, if you aren't willing to, you know, look or seem silly or feel silly, cause you don't have to do it in front of other people, then you can't really progress into something uh, new and exciting. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, even if you look silly in front of other people, it, you know, at least you're the one trying it. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I used to be for a long time, I was that person who was like, oh, I missed a lift. I'm not putting that on social media. I'm not putting, not sharing that with anybody. I'm not telling anyone. And yeah. and maybe it's the coaching side of me. Maybe it's just the vulnerable side of me. But I got to the point, I was like, you know what? I missed this lift today. Like it was a bad day. And, or maybe it wasn't a bad day. I just missed the lift, whatever. Um, but I think it's important to, especially when you're learning things like one, own it, own the yes, fact that yes. you aren't the best at it. But two, it's like, Granted, some people like to give unsolicited advice that <laughs> just because, but for people who I do respect, who I've like, I had a girl from that I was at a competition, one of the competitions that I went to the big um, in September, uh, messaged me. She's like, hey, she's like, great job on your muscle up. She's like, here's like, I'm sure you already know this, but here's a couple things that I saw. And so just like when I can put up the, my misses and then have like, People yes. who I respect and are better athletes than I am just be like, hey, like, I'm not sure if you saw this or not. This is what I'm seeing. So I know to what to correct. Like, it could be super helpful to get those extra eyes on it. That is so important in relation to our growth is acknowledging that we're not perfect and that we always have room to improve and get better. And I love that use case for social media because so much of it all the time is, you know, negativity. So opening yourself up to, you can call it criticism, you can call it whatever you want, but opening yourself up to feedback from others is, I think, invaluable. And if, if it's not great feedback, then don't just ignore it. If it's, if, but if you get, yes, if you get good feedback from somebody you respect and that is, that makes it all worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So muscle ups, I am super interested. I've always wanted to be able to do a muscle up right now. I don't have the space to be able to do so, but for somebody who, uh, shoot, just for me, uh, I can do, you know, I can do, you know, 10 pull-ups at a time. I, I'm okay at pull-ups. Uh, I want to get stronger. How do you progress to being able to do a muscle up? Yeah. You know, muscle up is a mix of strength and technique. I think one of the, one of the big issues I see with people is they do just the regular pull for a pull-up or maybe get to the chest to bar pull-up level. Um, when, when we, in order to really turn over that bar, we need to be pulling more to our hips. Cause that's where we're going to like make that hinge and be, be the most successful with it. So, mm-hmm. um, we, a technique does come down to a lot of it and there's a lot of different drills for that. Um, but we do need to be strong enough to, we need to be strong enough to essentially pull our hips to the bar. So, um, and there's a lot of different strength drills and progressions they can do for that. But, um, like having pull-up strength is absolutely necessary, but then we also need to be able to one have strength above that point to be able to pull that bar lower. Um, and two, we really need to learn body control as well, because you need to be able to get into what we call the Superman and hollow body positions, um, and be able to control those in order to really get that proper momentum to get over the bar. Okay. That's good to know. Do you recommend trying negative muscle-ups, so starting at the top and lowering yourself slowly? Does that is that an effective strategy to, to get better at it? It can be. Um, it's great for negatives for any movement or it's great for strength. So, um, and even I still do negatives for pull-ups just to build up that strength for handstand push-ups. Um, so negatives for anything can be super helpful for building that strength up. Um, 
And then from there, a lot of it is like, um, like I'll have people do jumping muscle ups. So they at least start learning how to pull low enough and get that turnover um, and things and doing things like that. So the negatives do really well for the strength, not necessarily for the technique part. Okay. Now in regard to jumping muscle ups, comparing that to kipping muscle ups, I think I'm saying that right. If not, correct me. Do you, I mean, I've heard people say kipping is obviously not a strict muscle up, but I mean, is it a good way to progress or, or not so much? Yeah. Um, strict muscle ups. I've used to have them on the rings on the bar. You need some cr- freaking crazy strength in order to actually do a strict one. I've seen them done before, but a uh, majority of people don't have that strength. So majority of people are going to be doing kipping okay. um, when it comes to muscle ups. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Well, before we wrap up, I'm curious what, uh, obviously we're, we're in a slightly different world now than we were a few years ago. I think we're hopefully we come out better than we were previously in your space, in your industry, the racing industry, the competition industry. How do you see it changing in going into 2022, going into 2025 over the next five to 10 years? What are some of the trends you're seeing? How can people follow along and take advantage of those? Yeah, you know, it's it's still really interesting. Um, depending on the race company, depends on how what the restrictions are and requirements are um, depending on the venue that that changes what the requirements are. So there's still a lot of just kind of, you just need to check into the race and the venue and see what's going on with that. I think over time as like we start realizing that, and maybe this is just my opinion, but like we start realizing, you know what, these other newer variants of COVID aren't as bad. They aren't as severe. It's almost, you know, that and as things kind of get a little bit further along, um, I really see us going back to more of a normalcy that it's like vaccinations aren't going to be an issue, um, at races or competitions. Um, masks aren't going to be an issue. That's, I really see us, and maybe this is my positive thinking, <laughs> but I really see us going back to just more of like what we used to be able, like living a normal life like we used to. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm, people want it for sure. Um, I mean, do you have, have races been consolidated? Obviously Spartan is huge. Spartan's still there. Um, um, Tough Mudder's still there. Are are we seeing less or fewer races, but bigger events? I'm just, what do, what do you think? I mean, even 10 years ago, there was, you know, OCR races were, OCR was a dime a dozen, but I think as time has moved on, the interest has probably waned a little bit. So it's, only been the bigger races that I've stuck around. Do you can do you continue to see that consolidation, or do you think that there's an opportunity to continue to start branching out again with uh, more new experiences? Yeah, um, yeah. For the most part, I'm just seeing the bigger companies out there. Um, I know last year one of our lo- a local race up in northern Arizona did happen again, and I know it's on the schedule for this. I think April. Um, the interesting thing, and I'm not sure if it's a, if Spartan's making changes, I'm not sure if it's a venue situation, but the, a lot of the stadium races with Spartan are not happening this year, including the Arizona one, or at least it's not on the schedule yet. And it should be by now. So I don't know if there's a reason there that Spartan is getting rid of some of those, or if they just didn't, if the venues are having, right. Uh, contract issues, you know, I'm not sure, but there, I have seen some changes as far as some races not happening that used to, 
Um, but then other things are happening again that were put on hold for a couple of years. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good to know. I, um, it's been, well, it's been a few years since I've run an obstacle course race, but I always enjoyed it. So I, I hope to, to see those come back. And, um, if I'm ever, if I'm ever feeling like I, I'm conditioned well enough, it'd be awesome to run a Ragnar. I think it'd be a ton of fun to do. Uh, so please keep me in mind if uh, you're ever needing uh, another teammate. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Bree, it's always great catching up. Uh, you obviously need to do it more often, but um, before we wrap up, I have a few closing questions. And the first of which is I, I want to know, what are you looking for to continue your personal growth? What do you need to continue on your journey? Um, if somebody's listening across the country, across the world, they say, hey, I can help Bree out. What is it they could do for you? Yeah. You know, I love that you asked this question with your guests. Um, the thing that really comes to mind now is it's where my weakness has always been um, when it comes to sales and marketing. And it's really just like getting messaging to get, finding the messages that get engagement, um, that get leads, that get people into my world. And it's something I'm, the coach I'm working with now, they do have copywriters, but still something I do struggle with as far as trying to really dial in social media posts, emails, things like that to get engagement. So if anyone just has like, I think that'd be the biggest thing is like just getting more eyes on my content by people who kind of know how to write things that get, get more attention. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I, I will poke you one more time with TikTok and Instagram reels. I promise. <laughs> I promise. Uh, but we can talk more about that. Um, all right. Next question. My favorite question, as you know, what is one book that you've either read recently? Actually, I think you said same as before, which is totally cool because I've heard this book on this podcast a thousand times uh, that you can credit with just having a profound impact in your life and uh, remind me why that is. Yeah, it still really is the four agreements. And I actually have a thing on my wall now that I have a canvas that I've gotten with them. Um, it's just so like, when you live your life based on the four agreements and no one's perfect, no one can. And I totally get that. And even I, you know, I slip up too, but when you really kind of think, keep those in perspective at all times, it really just helps to like live a happier life and like not to be more successful, but feel more successful. Um, like one of the fourth one is always do your best. And it really goes into like, the days you feel like sick or tired, your best is probably not going to be as good as those days that you feel amazing. And like your best is based on that specific day. It's not, well, I did that yesterday and I should be able to do that again today. <laughs> and so, um, but the four of agreements is such a great book. I'm just like such a great like life lessons to, to, to aspire to. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. I mean, you've obviously mentioned it before. I've had other people mention it before and I, I still don't do not own it. I need to grab it um, and certainly give it a read. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and then last but not least, if you could offer the audience uh, a call to action, one that you either live your life by or that you try to implore other people to live their lives by, what would it be? Uh, let's see. I think today we're going to say sleep. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> not because I'm tired. I'm, right. I actually slept really good last night. I'm I'm solid. Um, but no, just everything, whether it's concentrating at your job, being present with your kids, 
working, doing your workout, regardless of what it is. Like if you, if our, if we don't get good sleep and that's not just enough sleep, but quality sleep, then we really can't perform at our best. And even if we do one day, we're going to start feeling the effects of it down the road as that sleep deprivation continues. So, um, that would be my call to action is just make sure we're getting enough good quality sleep. That's such, the key word is quality and, you know, getting drunk and passing out that does not equate to quality sleep. <laughs> that uh, that's not quality sleep. very, very important. And for anybody, I, I think I recommended this book to you, but why we sleep by Matthew Walker, that's like the go-to mm-hmm. book for, for book. sleep. Yeah. It's, uh, it will scare you into a good night's sleep. I can, I can promise you that. Very um, true. Yeah. Bree, as always, thank you again for everything. Uh, if people want to reach out to you, contact you, learn more about what you've got going on, what is the best way to find you? Yeah. So my main website is getyourfixedpt.com. Um, and the reason I say that, I do have a secondary one, which is actually a um, free training that is out there, which is runwithhappyfeet.com. Um we did not address it here, but I absolutely love foot and ankle. I love foot strength. So it's super important into what I do. So runwithhappyfeet.com if you are interested in anything foot and ankle related. Um, and then my podcast itself is called Highly Functional. And it's super awesome. I may be a little biased, but I highly encourage you to go listen to that. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I never, I don't think, have you told me about runwithhappyfeet.com before? I haven't. I think that website, when did that funnel get completed? In End of December, I think. Okay, cool. Well, I will check it out and I encourage other people to check it out. Um, I know you hate social media, but is is, is uh, you're on Instagram, right? People can follow you there. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. If it's on Facebook, uh, just search me, Brianne Showman. Instagram, I am the.ocr.doc. Perfect. Bree, thank you again. As always, uh, it's great to talk about running. And I'm sorry we didn't talk about feet because uh, I know that's uh, a lot of what you do. But And I, I know I've, I've personally had feet and knee pain before, and you've helped me out. So there is a personal endorsement for you, and I, I really appreciate it. You are quite welcome. And I don't mind not talking about feet. Obviously, most podcasts I do, we do. But I really enjoy this conversation today. Awesome. Well, thank you again, and I look forward to talking with you again soon. <laughs> thank you. One more time, please help me thank Bree for joining me on the podcast. If you are a runner yourself, and if you're like me and you took the winter off because it was really cold outside and you're just getting back into it with all the motivation in the world, it's to sign up for races in 2022. Reach out to Bree, say hi, get to know some of her work. And if you're feeling extra motivated, see what she can do for you to help you perform at your best. If you'd like to check out the show notes from this particular episode, you can visit themosaiclifepodcast.com, where, of course, you'll find all of the books and resources mentioned, as well as all of the links Bree just mentioned to connect with her. As a reminder, please be sure to stick around until the very end of this episode. I've included a short preview of the brand new Bits of Happiness podcast, which is being released this Friday. And if you like what you hear, you can visit bitsofhappiness.life or click the Bits of Happiness podcast link on the Mosaic Life podcast website, where you can find links to subscribe in your favorite podcast players. Thank you all so incredibly much for taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast. It absolutely means the world to me. And until next time, take care, do better, and be well. Please enjoy this short clip from the Bits of Happiness podcast being released Friday, March 4th. I don't know if it's generational, 
aspirational or just irrational, but I grew up desperately wishing for my letter from Hogwarts long before Hogwarts with a glimmer in J.K. Rowling's mind. I was fully willing to hand over my happiness to a fantasy. Like so many of us are willing to hand it over to a boss or a partner or a friend who demands more of you than they're willing to give of themselves. So what does that mean for you? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume you're a little like me, a little different, and have a lot left to learn in this world. I'm hoping some of these episodes, these lessons, we can call them lessons I've learned, make you think, make you start to believe that you can do better, you can demand the best for yourself, you can live the life you've always wanted to live. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.